0: I invite you to turn in your copy of the Scriptures to Joel chapter 1, the minor prophet Joel chapter 1. I'll be reading the entirety of the first chapter. Here once again the very Word of God. The Word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children, and their children, another, and another generation. What the chewing locusts left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep. And wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, strong and without number. His teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has the fangs of a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree, He has stripped it bare and thrown it away, its branches are made white. Lament, like a virgin girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering have been cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn who minister to the Lord. The field is wasted, the land mourns, for the grain is ruined. The new wine is dried up, the oil fails. Be ashamed, you farmers. Wail, you vine dressers, for the weed and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine has dried up, and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. For the grain offering and the drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Is it not the food cut off before your eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed shrivels under the clods. Storehouses are in shambles. Barns are broken down, for the grain has withered. How the animals groan. The herds of cattle are restless because they have no pasture, even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment. O Lord, to you I cry out, for fire has devoured the open pastures, and a flame has burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field also cry out to you, for the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the open pastures. And now from Joel chapter 3, verse 16. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, as we come to this portion of your word, we realize how inadequate we are to often understand the Old Testament prophet, prophets And yet, Lord, their messages are very beneficial to us in our day. As we look into this short prophecy of your servant, Joel, as we consider the words he has given to Israel, we are reminded that what we see in the Old Covenant, one nation who is called by the the name of God, has been expanded to be a kingdom of all the nations, by and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, no longer is just a small part of Palestine the promised land, but redemption has come to the whole world. And your Son rules over heaven and earth and all that is in them. Father, help us to understand that we too need to be quick to confess our sins and to repent, as Joel calls the people of Judah to do, and that we are to trust in your provisions to forgive, to cleanse us from unrighteousness, to give us new hearts that desire truth and that love righteousness, and give us an abundant life that Jesus came to this earth to provide. Father, in all this, we commit our ways to You. Help us to understand this prophecy well. May it remind us of the great promises that You've given us in our day. And we ask this in the name of Christ and for His sake. Amen. I'm enjoying the sunshine that's casting through the windows. Uh, The uh, modern-day prophets on the Weather Channel said it's going to rain this morning. They were false prophets. Today we're going to hear from a true prophet of God. Today I begin a sermon series through the minor prophet Joel. In attempting to preach the whole counsel of God, the necessity of preaching from the minor prophets is apparent. But it's been five years since I last preached from a minor prophet, so I thought it appropriate to return to this portion of the, uh, the Lord's Word. Today's message will largely be an introduction to the prophetic ministry of the minor prophets in general with an emphasis on Joel's prophecy. This is important for us today because of the calling of the prophet and our calling to be prophetic messengers. The prophets had a practical office to discharge. It was part of their commission to show the people of God their transgressions, and the house of Jacob, their sins. And we see this from Isaiah 58.1, Micah 3.8. Additionally, they also brought the message of consolation and pardon, Isaiah 49.1, Joel 3.20, and 21. With the combination of these two duties, the prophets were watchmen set upon the walls of Zion, to blow a trumpet and give a timely warning of impending danger. Thus, the reason I had Shay read that portion from Isaiah 30 that spoke of a bulge in the wall and when it would break open, it would come down suddenly. The prophets were learned men and yet often men of meager vocations. In some respect, they were very much like tent makers. As Paul describes himself, the Apostle Paul describes himself. All were messengers of God, but few were men of means. The exception in the Old Testament, the larger, uh, the the major prophets, Isaiah, was uh, considered a very wealthy and educated man. He was alone in that kind of description as it regards prophets of the Old Testament. The priests of the Old Testament approached God on behalf of men by way of a bloody sacrifice, but the prophets are distinguished from the priests. They approached men on behalf of God with a message of repentance and pardon. The priests were taking men to God in sacrifice for their sins. The prophet was bringing a message from God to men to repent and to be pardoned. The prophets approached men on God's behalf. And this is not to say that these two duties, priestly duties and prophetic duties, never crossed. Two of the prophets, two of the major prophets in the Old Testament, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, were both prophets and priests. However, most of the prophets of the Old Testament were not of the priestly order, either of Aaron's lineage or Levi's. As I said before, the prophets were learned men. They were the national poets of Israel. They were educated in music, poetry, and hymnology, and, were, and those were part of the duties of this class of messenger. Messages were sent not by digital format in the Old Covenant, but they were sent often in song and hymns and in poetry. These men were analysts and historians. They knew the days in which they lived. They took note of all that went on around them. And they kept copious histories of what happened to Israel. They were creatures of patriotism. Now, not patriotism like we understand it. We think of, when we think of patriotism, we think of a 13 star flag and a man playing a, a drum and another a fife and, you know, heading off to a war for independence or a revolution, depending upon which side of the ocean you live on. That's not the kind of patriotism they spoke of. They spoke of Patriotism that was faithful to the God of Israel. Patriotism that spoke to God, blessing a people in forgiveness and raising them up in righteousness and abundant living. That's what they spoke of. And they came to the people of Israel with that message. Repent, come back to God and be restored. And not just a little bit, but abundantly restored. To them, the enemy of Israel was the enemy of God. Hence, their denunciation of an enemy that represented evil. They were quick to denounce these enemies, whether they be within the walls of Jerusalem or outside the walls. And I say that prophetically or poetically. Hence their denunciation of any enemy was a denunciation of representative evil. Their exhortations toward Jerusalem were exhortations on behalf of God's kingdom on earth. You see, they were the voice of God to the people. And they used all the means at their disposal to bring that voice to bear on his people. Herein we have the great benefit of the prophetic writings of the Old Testament for us today. Here's the link. Israel as a covenanted people with God was and is a microcosm of God's covenant people to a much larger and broader kingdom today. Israel was an example. The kingdom of God today is the reality. What was small both in numbers of people as well as promised land, has been expanded to the nations of the world and the whole earth in Christ Jesus. What God created in the Old Covenant with His people has been expanded, enlarged, and qualitatively enhanced in the New Covenant today. We often think that The Old Covenant was a very uh, understandable way to live and and a very uh, precise kind of society. But we also know from Scripture that the Old Covenant people could not keep that covenant, could not keep the preciseness of it. And they looked at precision as being the thing for salvation, not faith. And therein lies the problem of the Old Covenant. The reason Christ came. He wanted to fulfill the preciseness of the covenant that we might live by faith and not by that precision. Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, came to establish the kingdom of God in its fullness. What was for a small nation in the Old Testament and a small corner of the world has now become a kingdom from every tribe, tongue, and nation. What was a promised land in what we know as modern-day Palestine has become the entire world as the promised land under the authority of the second Adam. The prophets of the Old Testament brought a sobering message from God of impending judgment the need for repentance, and the promise of pardon to those who repent and follow Yahweh, that message is just as pertinent today. God rules the nations. Jesus Christ has been given all authority over heaven and earth, and He sits at the right hand of the Father until all His enemies are made a footstool for His feet. With all these things in mind, when we read minor prophets and understand their prophecies, that they were for the people of God in a particular context and time, we should not dismiss their relevance to our modern times. The principles set forth in these prophetic writings are principles just as pertinent for us today. We must always keep in mind the words penned by the minor prophet Malachi, who wrote this prophetic phrase on behalf of God, quote, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Malachi 3.6 Brethren, we are the sons of Jacob. Assuming Paul's description of the faithful is true, in Galatians 3.7 we read there, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham, Jacob was the faithful grandson of Abraham in whose lineage we live as men and women of faith. We too are the sons of Jacob. Thus we serve a God who does not change, and therefore we are not consumed. In the coming weeks, we shall take note that Joel, like most of the other prophets, is a fiery preacher. That was one of their duties as prophet, to preach, to bring a message from God. And our modern-day preachers, pastors, myself included, are to mimic their kind of ministry. We don't have a ministry like the priests of the Old Testament, but we do have a ministry very similar to the prophets. Well, this fiery preacher does not hold back on his rebuke of Judah and their need for repentance. Now remember, when we get to the minor prophets prophets in the Old Covenant, they sometimes are prophets to both Judah and Benjamin, the southern tribes, as well as the ten northern tribes. Sometimes they're just prophets to the northern tribes, sometimes just to the southern tribes. And in Joel's case... He is a prophet to Judah, the two southern tribes, primarily. Though his message reaches throughout all Israel. Um, if I could say this, and I, I, I kind of hesitate to say this, the prophets were the modern day, well, in their day, they were as close to uh, the uh, Celebrity preachers as you could get, if I could say it that way. The problem with that example is this. Our celebrity preachers are not people often that you want to emulate. In their day, they had a message that was so penetrating to the people of Israel, it was spread far and wide. It may have only been given at a single occasion, but the message would be Sent out throughout all of Israel. Joel's prophecy was primarily to Judah, the southern tribes. He does not hold back in his rebuke and condemnation of the nations around Israel as well, and the fact that God would judge those nations as well. Unlike some of the other minor prophets, Habakkuk and Amos, for example, who prophesied of God's judgment by the hand of another nation, Joel's prophecy is very direct. Joel focuses on God judging the land as a direct judgment against Israel. God has every means available to him when judgment is to be meted out. He can judge with the strength of other nations. We saw that five years ago the last time I preached from a minor prophet in the book of Habakkuk. Remember, Habakkuk lamented the fact that the people of Israel were so wicked. And he, he cries out to God, would you please judge your people for their wickedness? And God responds to him, well, you don't really understand what you're asking, but yes, I will judge them. But I'm going to use an even more wicked people to judge this wicked people. And Habakkuk reels backward and says, wait a minute, that's not what I bargained for when I asked for this thing. And, and God reports to Habakkuk, saying, Who is sovereign in these matters? Am I not the sovereign God? And Habakkuk repents and takes comfort in the hands of the sovereign God. So much so that he pens a song. Remember I said that prophets were musicians of sorts? Poets? He writes the lyrics of a psalm. If you go to the last chapter of the book of Habakkuk, he pens a song that talks about the mighty hand of the Lord bringing judgment and, and salvation to his people. And he sends it off to one of the, the musicians, presumably, at the temple. He says, by the way, I want you to set this to some music, and I want you to use a harp with it as well. And I'd like to have it by Tuesday so I can go over it before it's sung later in the week. Now, that's my interpretation of that last part. But you can see in that, in his command to the, to the, to the uh, uh, musicians who are to write the music for his lyrics, that kind of intensity, it's time to sing the praises of God in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of judgment. God has every available means to him when judging. He can curse a people by another nation, bringing them into war so that they're overtaken. He can curse the land and consequently its inhabitants, which is the case in Joel's prophecy. The judgment came not by another nation, though there's an allusion to that in the book, The primary curse is a plague of locusts that overtakes the land of Judah. He can curse a lineage of people as he did with David's offspring when David sinned against God with Bathsheba. And it was David's curse on his progeny that resulted in the divided kingdoms of Israel the northern kingdoms and southern kingdoms. God can curse an individual for a temporary period of time as He did with Nebuchadnezzar, with madness, or for eternity as He did with Esau. Esau's curse began while he lived on this earth, but it continues even today. God has all these things at His disposal to do all His holy will. And when we look into the minor prophets of the Old Covenant, we see specific applications of God meeting out His judgment, calling them to repentance, pressuring them to yield to Him in humility, that He might raise them up in salvation. In Joel's prophecy, we find a call to repentance, and the description of what true repentance looks like. Prayer, fasting, sackcloth and ashes are spoken of by Joel more than once. It's a continuing theme in his prophecy. Joel is keenly aware that God is not concerned with mere outward appearances of repentance. No, Joel makes a point to note that true repentance acknowledges the profound nature of one's deserving of punishment by God, Joel caused Judah and all Israel to true repentance. Each of the prophecies recorded in the Bible conclude not with judgment, but with the promise of pardon and forgiveness to those who repent. We often think that the Old Testament is just a book of heavy-handedness by God. Critics of the Old Testament often characterize it that way. Brethren, I commend to you, you can't look at any book in the Old Testament without reading the last couple of chapters. Because they always turn to to hope and deliverance, to pardon and forgiveness. Always. There is a message of good things. Now, I suppose you could say, well, what about the book of Lamentations or what about the book of Ecclesiastes? Yeah, they might be exceptions to the rule. But more often than not, the books of the Old Testament speak in their ends of God's pardoning grace. Come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. He wants humility that He might lift us up to newness of life. The God of all creation is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. His ability to forgive exceeds your ability to sin. Let me say that again. His ability to forgive exceeds your ability to sin. That doesn't mean you should continue sinning. But His grace... Goes far beyond our sin. Likewise, His mercy, His ability to withhold judgment, exceeds your deserving of judgment. God knows how sinful we are, God knows how deserving of punishment we are. And yet, His grace and His mercy. Exceed both. The Bible is quite clear. There is forgiveness to those who humble themselves before God in confession and repentance. God is faithful to his word. Remember, he does not change. Therefore, we are not consumed. Malachi 3 8. Now, one additional observation regarding Joel's prophecy. Joel is not speaking to individuals. We always think it's about us, don't we? Even myself. I've looked over some of my sermons in the past and realized how focused on the individual I was. There are portions of Scripture that are like that. But Joel's prophecy is not focused on individuals. It is focused on a corporate people. This is no small matter. Just as people can and do sin, a corporate people can and do sin. Whether it be a church, a nation, a family, a clan. All sin. Likewise, a corporate people can and do repent and receive the blessings of a gracious and merciful God. In the coming weeks, as we learn of the impending judgment of God that He would bring on the people of Judah from Joel's prophecy, we must consider for ourselves where we may need to repent as a people. May we be quick to do so. Now lastly, in addition to the promised pardon, Joel describes a restoration of Judah and the land of Israel that will flow with milk and honey in the last chapter. When God saves, He saves to the uttermost, the Bible teaches. Just as His judgment often reaches to the uttermost of life, including where we live, in the case of Joel, the land itself was cursed. Just as sin... Brings judgment to the uttermost parts of life. God's graciousness and his redemption reaches to the uttermost parts of life. God saves and gives us abundant life. Jesus said in John 10:10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. And they they might have it more abundantly. Our hope is in the name of the Lord. Our promises of redemption are in His name. Eternal life is had in Him and Him alone. Jesus brings abundant life to those who turn from their sins and repent. The abundant life that Jesus came to provide is preceded by humble confession of sin and repentance. To seek first the abundant life without the second confession and repentance. To do that is a fool's error. On the other hand, to seek abundant life By and through confession and repentance brings the peace of God. And that's what Joel wanted for the people of Judah. Brother, and that's what I want for us. That's what you should want as well. That's what we should want for our nation. We too should be prophetic messengers that are patriotic. But our patriotism should not be in words written by men 250 years ago. But in the Word of God. For Jesus is King of our nation as well. Our application today is this. When we read the Old Testament minor prophets, it's not as though their message is less important. That's not the reason for the word minor. It's merely because their messages are so short. When we read the prophets of the Old Testament, realize that their concern is for holiness in God's people. And great blessing, confession and repentance comes first, and then God lifts us up to abundant life. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we give thanks for the messages of your prophets in the old covenant they are indeed ancient words but they have contemporary applications today father we confess that our nation our nation is unholy That. Evil is called good, and good is called evil in our nation. That children are killed daily without hardly a concern. That the poor are oppressed by those who manipulate our money, by those who scavenge what little they have. Father, we admit that we are all too given to pleasure and entertainment instead of creating as you taught us to create by making all that we see. Father, we are slothful in good and quick to evil. We are so much like our old covenant brother, though we think ourselves so different. Father, humble us. Cause us to confess and to repent. To turn away from evil and embrace righteousness. To bring honor to your name on earth as it is honored in the heavens. May the warnings of the Old Testament prophets be to us as well. And their call to repentance be as sincere as their call. Father, help us to be faithful to you. To look to you. To bless our homes. Our church. Our nation as we repent and call upon You for help. Father, we make that call this day. In our own lives, Lord, if we've not put our faith and trust in Your Son and bowed our knee to You in the fullness of our lives, may today be the day of salvation for us. Cause us to confess our sins and to repent. Grant us the faith to believe that You can overcome our sin and bring us into newness of life. Father, in our families, we ask that same prayer. For those who struggle with their spouse to live in harmony before You, to uphold them in righteousness, I pray that they would repent and turn to you by faith, asking for that great help, that you would bring newness of life to those marriages. For those who have children who struggle with faith, I pray, Father, that you would give the parents wisdom and discernment to bring to bear truth, to show forth the love of Christ to them, to warn them of impending judgment, And call them to repentance as well. That the harmony of the home might be preserved. And your name glorified on earth as it is in heaven. Father, for our church, we ask that you would cleanse us as well from sins that beset us. Help us not to be haughty in our understanding as you have given us understanding. But rather, Lord, may that understanding work out in our deeds for faith without works is dead. So, Father, may we reach out with these that honor You, calling others to repentance and bring new life to them. Father, we pray for our nation. As You judge the nations, as many of the minor prophets teach us, You will judge this nation as well. It may be through pestilence. It may be through other nations judging us. Father, however You choose it, judgment will come if we don't repent. And so, Father, grant this nation, grant this nation repentance from their sins and turning to You as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, we pray for the witness that we had before your, before this community yesterday as we introduced ourselves to so many people passing out literature. We pray, Father, that that would redound to Your glory. As men and women come to seek You, we pray that Your Spirit would go those who receive that literature. That their curiosity would bring them to our doorstep. That we would welcome them into the house of the living God where they can hear the word read and preached. Where they find comfort for their souls as they turn from sin and turn to you. Father, we pray that you would add to the number of your kingdom, whether it be in this church or other faithful churches in the area, we ask that your kingdom would advance and that repentance would be had. We thank you, O Lord, for the church that you preserve each and every month and week and year. We thank you for our church, and we pray, Father, that you would help us to repent where we need to repent, that we would see our, our errors, and that we would be quick to acknowledge them. Help us to be faithful to you, Lord. Help us to desire that faithfulness. Father, we pray for those in authority over us as you've taught us to pray, both in the civil realm and in the church. In both realms, Lord, we ask for men who bow their knee to your Son, Jesus Christ, who are faithful to Him as King and Lord, that they would work out their various callings, doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with you, our God and Father. These are the men we desire, Lord. Give us them to us, we ask. And Father, we thank you for the young men in our church who are desiring to serve as deacons as they train and as they test their own callings, Lord. We pray your spirit would bless them. Father, we pray that you would guide and direct us in our mission here and help us to remain faithful to the ordinary means of grace. We ask these things in your Son's name. And now we join our voices together in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, praying together Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done